Hi folks, be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. Well, ladies and gentlemen, his entourage uh, didn't have to come in today. It's a little cooler outside. They're sitting out on the lawn right now enjoying lemonade. And uh, he came in on the red carpet. Good morning to Dr. History. Good morning, Zeb. Another beautiful day in Idaho. And we got some rain yesterday. A little bit of rain. And you know what I did? I sat in the middle of it. I love it. I love it. (laughs) It just felt good, didn't it? It did. Cool off just a little bit. Yeah. So who have you got to thank and mention this morning? Okay, now, I've got to ask for forgiveness because I'm not sure how to pronounce your name. It's spelled C-H-E-Y-N-E, and it's either Shane or Cheyenne. C-H-E-Y-N-E. So uh, I I apologize. I would say... Shane or Cheyenne. Either. (laughs) Yeah. And, And now I'm probably going to butcher where you're from. Touche, Washington? Touche. Touche. Tucci. Tucci. Tucci, Washington. That's okay. Oh, thank you, Zeb. At least I didn't. <laughs> no, and I could be wrong, too, but that's how I've heard it said. Okay. Tucci? Washington. Okay. So uh, a book uh, called The Name Was Only, and I'm going to look up that book to see what that's about, because I believe that's a relative. Another uh, person, Brett Joseph Smith. Uh, well, you got through that one pretty easy. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> is an expert on railroads, the old railroad. He's got a bunch of, in his library about uh, uh, railroad books. So thanks, Brett, and, and maybe we'll do a show on, on the old railroads or something. You know, there was a gentleman up in Malala, Oregon, when I used to announce that rodeo, and he had taken an old garage and had completely restored the inside of that garage to an old 1886 railroad set. Oh, wow. Wow. It took him years and years and years and it was really phenomenal yeah so a special shout out to the cameron johnson family from phoenix arizona morning about every two uh, three times a year they travel clear up to star valley wyoming okay they have a place up there where they go to get out of the heat of phoenix and today is a special day zeb what's that it's july 20th yeah and it is Eben's birthday, 10 years old, from the Cameron Johnson family. Are you going to sing to him? No. We don't want, we don't want people turning the radios off. That's true. So, Eben, happy birthday to you. Today's your birthday. Uh, ten, I don't know if you're 10 or turning 11. Okay. So, whichever, Eben, uh, happy birthday. And to the Cameron Johnson family, thank you for writing and hope you enjoy your visits up to Star Valley. What's their favorite segment or their favorite part of Dr. History? Well, I, I'm not sure because uh, he says they when they make that trip up from Phoenix, they just listen to our shows. Well, and there's God like 370 them. stories on there. So oh. that could I just told them to be careful not to fall asleep while they're listening, you know, yeah. and driving. We'll keep them away. <laughs> we'll try. we'll say something stupid. It'll make everybody giggle <laughs> or or mispronounce like okay. I tend to okay. do. Right. So Zeb, uh, I'm going to talk about a guy by the name of Pig Leg Smith. No, it sounds like a relative of mine. <laughs> <laughs> Could be. Peg Could leg be. Smith. Peg leg Zeb oh, Bell. Oh, my. Yeah. So, Watch uh, out for the knot holes in the wood. Yeah, yeah. 
So of all the mountain men of the Wild West, there was... Oh, i got to mention this. Uh, we spent last week up at Bear Lake. Yeah. Montpelier, Bear Lake, in that area. And so this guy, this is where this story took place, was up around the Bear Lake area. Oh, really? Yeah. Over in the Preston area, et cetera? Yeah, Preston, okay. uh, over that way, oh. Soda Springs, yeah. Okay. Anyway, of all the mountain men of the uh, the Wild West, there was no mountain man more colorful or adventurous, adventurous than Thomas L. Pegleg Smith. Really? Now, he was big for his age. Tom grew up in Crab Orchard, Kentucky. Seem- now, there's a name. There's a name. Seemingly born with an adventurous spirit, he ran away from home at the age of 16 to explore the new Louisiana Purchase in 1817, you know, 200 years ago. While Tom could read and write as far as anyone can find, he never wrote a journal, but he was such an outgoing and memorable character, he is easily found in the journals of those that he met throughout his life. Um, His first winter away from home, Tom worked at a tavern in Natchez, Mississippi, where he heard stories about the wilds that lay to the west, and this may be where he picked up a taste for whiskey, Mm -hmm. which reportedly he drank in large quantities. The next spring, he joined a river expedition that moved west into the Choctaw and Chickasaw territories, Seeing the need, Tom learned both dialects and was able to learn many skills from the tribesmen that he would use later in his life. Now, he had to be a pretty smart guy, Zeb, to pick up... Uh, Indian language, well, I was just especially two ask tribes. You, did he go to school at all? Or? Uh, I imagine just from being around the Indians. I see. The, the, the two tribes. I see. So anyway, wanting to still move farther west, Tom joined a trapping group led by the French fur trapper Antoine, Antoine Robidoux. <laughs> Robidoux, Zeb, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> By 18, 18- I love to watch your face when you run across these yeah, names. Your I, eyes bug out. Well, the last letter is an X, and that's got to be ooh, ooh right? Ro- yeah, ooh. Ro- Everybody say a class of yeah, home. Ooh. Yeah. Well, by 1824, uh, Tom was trapping in the Rocky Mountains and had established himself as a good leader, a top marksman, and a very strong man. I mentioned he was kind of big. Big guy. Yeah. Well, in September of that year, Tom was leading a small group of trappers, including Maurice Ladouche. Leduc, Leduc, you're on north, your own. You're on your own. north, Maurice. Okay. He was leading Maurice north from Taos, New Mexico, when a party of Utes uh, ambushed the company. Mm. A Spanish trapper was killed in the fight, and the Utes took all the company's horses and mules with the mules, still carrying their gear. After the attack, two of the company's company guys gave up and left on foot to find the nearest town. Wait a minute. They took all their supplies and everything? Yes, everything. everything. All their animals. They left on foot. Why didn't the Indians at that time try to kill the rest of the... They they had what they wanted. Wow. You know, all the gear. Okay. So, anyway, uh, uh, now, like I say, two of them left. However, Smith and Ledoux and an unnamed French trapper decided to get their things back. No. After two days of tracking, they the their attackers, the trappers, found them camped by a stream. Without fear, Tom Smith marched right into the camp, said in a loud voice that the Indians had made a mistake by robbing him, and he was there to get his horse and gear back. Well, wait a minute. The guy was big, but he wasn't very bright. <laughs> no, he learned the Indian language, Zeb. <laughs> well, the Utes were so surprised... And impressed that they gave all the trappers things back. You're kidding me. No. 
Not only that, but they helped the trappers during the rest of the winter. <laughs> Tom, again, seeing the need, learned to speak the Ute language and made friends with the tribe. Holy cow. Now, where that was, was a turnaround. Where was this? At? That was down towards New Mexico, headed up towards the Utah area. No you know? kidding. Yeah. Wow. Well, they gave him a new name. You ready for this? Uh, I'm a little tentative. Th- this is the, the Ute name. Okay. Tevi Ute Stan Tiggy Bone. Or Big Friend. How's that? Let's just stick with <laughs> we'll that. We'll stick with Big Friend. Okay. He also made friends with a Ute man named Wakara, who, as it would turn out, would be one of the best friends Tom would ever have. Tom taught Wakara the English language, which came in handy when Wakara became the chief. Now, I've You've heard, heard that name before. Yeah, yeah, you he, did a story on him. Yeah, I, I did. Uh, so Wakara was one of the main chief of yeah, the Utes. Yeah. yeah. Now, at the age of about 26 or 27, Tom uh, went out on a trapping trip uh, that would forever define him, basically, in the company of Ledoux and Milton Sublet. You've heard of him. Yeah. Tom joined a group of trappers on a trip heading for the upper Colorado River. Now, the group was attacked by a party, assumed to be Crow Indians. And, you know, the Crow, they were, they were a pretty tough bunch. They were a mean yeah. bunch. Yeah. Well, two of the trappers were killed quickly. In an attempt to recover their bodies, Tom began fighting out in the open. It seems he didn't believe Indians could shoot straight, so he felt he was safe enough. However, he was wrong. I was going to go back to his not being real bright. <laughs> well, like I say, he learned three languages. <laughs> but he didn't learn to duck. Well, while standing out in the open, Tom was hit in the left ankle with a rifle ball. Ooh. The shot made him stumble, and he planted his now shattered leg deep in the mud. Ooh. Tom dropped his rifle out of reach and used his pistol for the rest of the hour-long battle with his back up against a tree. He claimed he killed the man that shot him. When the shooting was over, nine of their attackers lay dead, and Tom had lost a lot of blood. I would imagine. He's laying there. Now, Deb. may I ask what year this was? Uh, let's see. It would have been mid-1800s, because... He was born about 18, what did I say, 12? Yeah, I was so wondering. They didn't have revolvers then, or was so, so it would have been a ball. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, he'd, uh, he'd lost a lot of blood. The company was just going to give him up for dead. But Tom was a fighter with courage and numbness from a whiskey bottle. You're going to like this, Seb. Tom took a knife. And as no one else would begin, would he began to cut off what remained of his foot. Wait a minute. The other, there ain't enough whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> the other trappers watched, amazed, as Tom worked on the grisly task. The other guys were there? They were watching. Why didn't they help? Well, wait a minute. Well, hurry up. <laughs> pain, pain finally got the better of him, oh. and he passed out oh. before he was able to cut the Achilles tendon. Oh. So Milton Sublet finished the job the best he could. Using a leather strap, the trappers bound up Tom's leg with a dirty shirt. Oh, yeah, that'll help. And after a day to recover. A day? A day. You know, that's plenty of time, Zeb. Placed him on a crude litter dragged behind the horses, pulling him over 150 miles to the nearest Ute camp. Now, 
Again, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting one, here with my mouth open. I don't know what to say. So I don't know how much whiskey he drank on that 150 miles. Oh, my goodness. Now, the Utes just happened to be in the same camp uh, Tom had made friends with earlier. So they were friendly. Leaving Tom with his friends, the trappers moved on under his supervision. Wakara, who was now a war chief, made sure the women of the camp cared for Tom using a mixture of chewed roots herbs and horse dung, the women were able to pull the infection out of his leg, and he made a full recovery. Uh, almost. Well, we're getting there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So the young woman who took the best care of Tom was Wakara's sister. Her name was Mountain Fawn. Later, Tom married Mountain Fawn and was adopted into the Ute tribe. He carved himself a peg leg that attached using a leather strap. It had an extended handle that continued up his leg past the knee. This he would use as a gun rest when sitting on a horse, a crutch when he was tired, and with a quick pull on the strap, he could use his leg as a club in a fight. Well, yeah, that's what I was just thinking he would do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, me too. That just seemed natural, yeah. right? Well, the Utes changed his name from Big Friend to Wahituko. Oh, I know what that Wait, means. Peg what? leg. No, wooden leg. Oh, wooden leg. <laughs> you, were, you were close. <laughs> he took the name and used it even on his business documents. From then on, Peg Leg Smith never let his wooden leg slow him down. He trapped for 25 more years in the mountains. Shortly after getting used to have, uh, to have his new leg, Peg Leg helped the Utes defend themselves from the Shoshones in a surprise attack. Because of his bravery in battle, Wakara told Peg leg that he could have more wives if he wanted them but he's he was fine with his with mountain fun i was just gonna say if you're expecting a comment no no I'm moving right along. Okay, good, good. Peg Leg was never known to cheat a partner, but he was known to take advantage of opportunities on occasion. I see. On at least three different occasions, Peg Leg and Wakara went down to the then Mexican-controlled California and stole a number of horses. On the last and the biggest trip, they took well over five thousand head of horses. Five thousand, and drove them most of them back to the Ute territory. Now, they had to have help, right? Well, they, yeah. 5,000 head. Yeah. Now, it was this event that allowed Peg Lake to establish his trading post in the Dingle area of the Bear Lake Valley from 1842. Now, here's the dates. 1842 to 1857, Fort Smith, as he called it, offered some amazing buys for the pioneers going west. Uh, for almost a straight across trade, Peg Leg would take the tired, worn-out animals from the travelers and give them fresh, healthy animals. Now, where did he steal these horses? Clear down in California. Oh, I thought you said... Well, Mexico still ha- had oh, California. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So it was actually what is now California. So, like I say, he traded straight across. Healthy animals for the tired, worn-out animals. There's got to be a catch. (laughs) It's coming. I thought. (laughs) Uh, He sold other goods at the fort, such as tools, ammunition, and food, even offering fresh vegetables for several years. Strangely, many of the animals and supplies would make it back to Fort Smith in only a few weeks. It seems that Peg Leg had an arrangement with a group of Indians who would rob 
wagon trains that massacre rocks and bring them back to Pig Lake. He wasn't really a very nice person. Well, he was, yeah, but there's some things coming. Give me some time here. <laughs> he was tough. We know that. Yeah, <laughs> Cut off his own leg. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. All right. Well, it is said that Peg Lake had an iron stove in his fort that was for sale at just $2. He would tell travelers that they were more than halfway to Oregon and they should have room in their wagons for the stove. Heavy stove, Zeb. Yeah. Many bought the stove, but before traveling over what they call Georgetown Summit, they would end up dumping it on the trail. Then old Peg Leg would gather it up, take it back to the fort, and, and sell, sell it again. It again. <laughs> oh, this guy really is a capitalist. He, he, he knows what he's doing. He does. Now, Peg Leg Smith wasn't heartless. Uh, this is some good stuff, Zeb. He had a deep concern for people. For example, in the winter of 1848, Joe Meek and company stumbled into Fort Smith. Now, Meek was leading an envoy uh, from Oregon to Washington with a request for Oregon to become a state. That winter was really, really harsh, and Fort Hall didn't have the supplies Meek needed to continue the journey. By the time they reached Fort Smith, they were starving. They had eaten their horses on the way, uh, walking on makeshift snowshoes. Peg Leg brought them in, warmed them up, and fed them until they were strong again. He then gave them fresh supplies, fresh horses, and sent them on their way without Peg Leg's help, Meek would never have made it to Washington. Yeah, but then the Indians took it back. <laughs> no, no. Oh, okay. No, they kept him. <laughs> but Peg Leg Smith was definitely an adventurous, rugged, whiskey-drinking, storytelling, horse-thieving rascal, but he was also someone famous who helped establish the West. Now, do you have a picture of that guy? I'm, uh, I'm curious if you I, do or not. I do not. You do but, not. But here's, see that, Zeb, those are the roadside oh, signs. Oh, that's over by Montpelier. Right. Yeah. So, let me just read this, folks. Okay. This is one of those uh, historical signs that you see along the road. Okay. And it says, Smith's Trading Post. In 1848, Peg Leg Smith established a trading post on the Oregon Trail at Big Timber somewhere near here on the river. Some travelers called it Fort Smith, though it was only four log cabins and some Indian lodges parking, uh, see, Packing a, it's hard to read this, packing a plow and tools from Salt Lake City, Smith, uh, a mountain man who had uh, to amputate his own leg 20 years earlier, tried unsuccessfully to raise crops, but he did a big business uh, when the California Gold Rush of 1849 brought thousands past here. yeah, uh, anyway, it reported that he had many horses and cattle and was making $100 a day. Now, how far was his so-called Fort Smith from, like, over to Preston in that area? Um, I, I'm not exactly sure, but I think it's closer to Mont- Montpelier. But uh, let me show you a picture of his peg leg. Okay. That's the original peg leg? Yeah, this is okay, let me uh, see that once. at the Oregon Trail Center in Montpelier. Really? Yeah. That's the one that he made? Yeah. And see oh how it, ha- it goes up to about the knee, and then it yeah. has kind of a like a stick that, that goes up the side of his leg. I wonder how he got along in the mud. <laughs> well... You know, that's a good question because, I don't know, maybe put some kind of a shoe on Like a ski or something. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, he could have just picked his leg up and nailed a ski on the bottom (laughs) of it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the story of Peg Lake Smith. And, folks, if you're over in Montpelier, uh, a couple of things. Uh, 
This Oregon Trail Center is really a great it's, museum. It is. Have you been there? Yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah. really a good museum, uh, excellent. And in Montpelier, Zeb, is a bank... Oh, that's where, don't tell me, I remember, that's where uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid robbed them. Well, Sundance wasn't with them at that time. Oh, But okay. this is the first bank that uh, Butch Cassidy robbed. So, folks, if you're in Montpelier, right along the main street, there's a little bank that is now a museum. Mm-hmm. And if you go in there, there's a book by his, let's see, I think it's his great-nephew his youngest sister's grandson, and it is probably the best book that I have ever read about Butch Cassidy. And if uh, if you read that book, it pretty well lets you know that he and Sundance did not die in Bolivia. In Bolivia. Yeah. That he has buried, they think, somewhere up in the state of Washington under an unassumed name, and it was a huge family secret to never, ever tell where, what his name was or where he's buried because they figured people would yeah. try to dig him up, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and prove or disprove. So uh, anyway, folks, uh, Bear Lake is a fun place to go to. Uh, they have a little place called the Pickleville Theater that you can go watch a kind of a uh, melodrama type uh, play that's always fun to go to. And learn all about Peg Leg Smith. And the Raspberry Festival. Yeah. Oh. Raspberries, Ooh, yeah. yeah. I've got a friend of mine that goes over there every year. And and raspberry milkshake, you can't yeah. beat him. Abs- You've been there. We were there last week, oh yeah, my. with my all my kids and grandkids. We had a oh. good time. You did it again. Great and, show. And again, happy birthday to Eben. Yeah. And his last name was Cameron, uh, right? No, uh, Cameron Johnson family. Johnson, I see. Yep. Okay. So Eben Well, I Johnson. hope they're listening and enjoying their summer. Yes. All right. 